What's up, Chiefs Kingdom? We're tagging, we're trading, we're signing, we're, I don't know. It is a busy, busy time of year. I'm coming to you live from Indianapolis, the current home of Brett Veach and Andy Reid for at least a couple days. While they're at the NFL Combine, sitting here with my pal Sterling Holmes on a busy week in the NFL where we're going to see some prospects, talk some free agency. But first one, man, how are you doing? Good, baby. Tag team back again. Party on party people. Let's begin. Let's, let's, let's begin, hear some baby. noise. Sneed is tagged in the current tag for Legereus Sneed as a cornerback is 19.8 million. Um, this is not a surprise to anyone. I know there's going to be some people who are like, is this shocking? Is this, is this uh, out of left field? No, this is very normal. Exactly what the Bengals did with T. Higgins, right? You're going to tag a guy. And the reason being is you want to, if worst case scenario happens and you have to trade the guy, well, you're getting something back in return now for a said player. When T. Higgins did the franchise tag with the Bengals, all these Bengals fans are thrilled saying, yeah, the gang's back together one more year. Not so fast. It is entirely possible that is just so they get something when they decide to trade him. Same thing here in Kansas City, right? With Legereus. If you're sitting here going, all right, at least Legereus is here for one more season. Pump the brakes just a little bit. Y'all got too much dip on your chip. <laughs> let's, let's rewind. At least the Chiefs will get something from him if they were to trade him again they can still try and find a way to make a long-term extension happen with legerius sneed but right now at least what we have is he is franchise tagged yeah yeah look here's the here's the thing brett veach stated at the beginning of the day at from the from the combine during his presser that they were probably going to use the tag that it was in the best interest of the club because they were interested in bringing both guys back. You can't do that without immediately applying the tag in a scenario that guarantees you control. You got to control the variables. You can't have, you can't have two guys out there looking for deals with their own agents. um, And then like trying to rein them all in. It's like herding cats. You just can't do it. You got to put some cages down you got to limit the restriction. Here's what I like about it. Jeremy Fowler's report didn't just say that the Chiefs were going to use the tag. And I want to get I want to get your thoughts on this, Sterling. I like it that he didn't just say we're going to use the tag on Sneed, but he also said Sneed was agree, quote agreeable to the whole scenario, which was, hey, we're going to talk long-term extension. And if we can agree to something, we will. But also, we may trade you. And they said he was agreeable to the whole thing. Now, if I was getting ready to get $19 million a year, uh, at least for next year, or maybe even a long-term deal, I'd probably be, quote, agreeable to be like, yeah, sure, I'll stay at your mother-in-law's, my mother-in-law's house. That sounds great. Whatever. Right? Like, I'm agreeable to most things at that dollar amount. But in the world of the NFL, where we just watched last season, a holdout go through week two, I'm tipping my cap to Legereus Sneed for being a team player, even if it means he's going to another team. Yeah, I think what it comes down to is we see the number and we're like, well, that's absurd. Of course, you would sign that one-year deal. When in reality, he's 27 years old. He's sitting free agency late for a corner. Um, and the reality is their shelf life is not that long. And quite frankly, he's going to be making close to 19 mil 
on the open market per season, but also have some sort of um, net behind him, some sort of future as well, whether it's a second year, a third year, potentially a fourth deal, right? Our fourth year, we're looking at a three or four year deal for Legereus Sneed. Now, all that's not guaranteed. This is not NBA. This is not baseball. But you'd have to imagine a good chunk of what he would receive would be guaranteed, right? So for him, he's like, yeah, but what is my fallback plan if for some reason I I, I turn into Namdi Asamoa, if for some reason I get an injury, which by the way, not enough people are talking about this. He played through, give him credit, but his knee was flaring up, remember, almost yes. the entirety of last year. Yes. He's 27. Like, there, I'm not saying there should be uh, alarms going off everywhere, but like there should be at least a smoke alarm, the annoying smoke alarm that I had to change in my house today. I forgot how annoying those things were. Like, miserable, dude. I hate smoke alarms. Like, that that noise. Like, I love, I love you, smoke alarm, for, like, saving my life that I've never luckily had to use. But also, that noise drives me insane. Yeah. Uh, like Dennis Reynolds and It's Always Sunny. But <laughs> what it comes down to is, again, Snead is here right now. He is franchise tagged, $19.8 million. We heard him on the K. Adams show say, pay me. Pay me. He understands he's 27, a cornerback, which again has a ton of variables up and down. This is his chance to get the bag. He's not coming back on a one-year franchise tag deal because then he hits free agency at 28. Not happening. He is coming off his best season as a NFL athlete. He should have been an all-pro. Yeah. There's no reason for him to bet on himself. There's there's no benefit for him to do that. So he's going to set a long-term deal, and I'm with you, Matt. We just saw what happened with Chris Jones last year. He was not amenable. He was not happy. He wanted to be here. He wanted to get paid. He didn't care what happened. He he was going to hold out. We won't have the same situation with Legereus, but also because I think either a trade or an extension happens well before then. Yeah. Look, I, we're going to break this down a little bit further. I want to talk a little bit of the tag and trade. I want to talk a little bit about um, whether the Chiefs should extend him or not. Uh, but before we do, we just want to provide you guys with a good deal. I'll let my man Sterling take it from here. If you guys like good deals, oh boy, we got the one for oh you. Oh boy. If you haven't signed up for DraftKings Sportsbook, make sure you get your first bet on them. New customers will get a second chance bet up to $1,000 when signing up with our promo code Arrowhead. That means if your first bet loses, you'll get your full w- wager returned as a bonus bet up to $1,000. So signing up with our code Arrowhead not only covers your first bet, but also gets you access to daily rewards and other profit boosts if you're looking to join DraftKings. Go download the app and register with our promo code Arrowhead to make sure Arrowhead. your first bet is covered. covered. This offer is only available to new customers for 21 plus and visit the present legal game in the States. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check always. the episode description for the full terms of the offer to see if you qualify. Love it. Love it. Love deals like that. Sneed is not a deal like that. It's going to cost. However, uh, let's talk about this, Sterling. I want to I want to just bring up, by the way, if you're listening in, you're like wondering what's going on. What happened with Snead today? The Chiefs did announce they're going to use the tag or rumor is out is that they're going to use the tag on Snead. And and that it's it's you know, you use the tag at this point to buy yourself time so that free agency doesn't begin before you can agree to a deal. That's why you tag a guy like this. And also they're open to a trade. Now, let me just do a quick rundown because it's not a long list here. The history of the franchise tag and trade, it could have started in 2013. 
No trades happened in 2013, 14, 15, 16, or 17. Then in 2018, a wide receiver named Jarvis Landry, who got way too much credit for catching seven-yard passes for his entire life, uh, was tagged and traded to the, to the Browns. Here's the history, the full history, of a tag-and-trade scenarios over the last few years. For Jarvis Landry, the Dolphins got a fourth and a seventh, which that's a four and seven too many, in my opinion. I hate Jarvis Landry. Two, Why? I, I don't get this. Dude, the guy made multiple Pro Bowls by catching like eight yard passes. I just never got it. Anyway, 2019. Uh, that's this is not the Jarvis Landry episode, and I'm making it that. I'm sorry. 2019, Jadavian Clowney was traded for two players and a third round pick. The same year, by the way. By the way, this is weird. In one year, Clowney, D. Ford, and Frank Clark were all tagged and traded. It's only it was like the second, third, and fourth tag and trade ever in NFL history. And it all happened the same year. And it all happened with pass rushers. Well, because Clowney, Jar- Jarvis Landry started the whole thing. Because Jarvis he, he, Landry, he, ground, the pioneering work of Jarvis Landry to almost get a first down with all of his incredible. Anyway, uh, so Jadavian Clowney got a third and two players, including Barcavius Mingo, by the way, who I think has one of the best names ever. D Ford, of course, tagged and then traded for a second round pick. Uh, to the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, I, we also sent over back spasms in that deal, so it wasn't just a, a D4. Uh, and then Frank Clark. We traded a first and a future second in exchange for Clark and a swap of third-round picks that same year. In 2020, Yannick Ngakwe uh, was traded for a second and a fifth. And then just two years ago, Devontae Adams was traded for a first and second from the Packers to the Raiders. First, it doesn't surprise me at all that the team who traded the most and any tag and trade was the Raiders when they traded the first and a second. But it seems like a player who's a, who's a defensive cornerstone kind of player is getting somewhere around like you know, Clark got a first and a future second. That's crazy. That was wholly overpay, though. That 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 was an overpay. It was an overpay, and it was also these are all upfront cornerstone pass rusher guys. You just talked about the mercurial nature of cornerback. No team is going to pay that, but it does seem like maybe a second rounder at least is a good like maybe a second and a sixth, second and a fifth, or even just a second in a deep draft like this is better than waiting on some compensatory, you know, pick down the road. Uh, at the very least, it feels maybe safe that a team would deal their second round pick to the Chiefs for luxurious need. What are your thoughts on that in particular? Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Yeah, I think a second rounder is right in line with what I was thinking. I think it's going to be about a second um, some of the previous ones, again, cornerback just is not as um, consistent, as valuable as edge rusher, even though those guys' names don't quite match up to the production of Legereus Sneed. Um, again, the age is obviously going to be a factor, but I think a second rounder is right in line with what I was expecting. So if the Chiefs could get a second, I'm not saying I would for sure make that deal without seeing what the contract would look like. Again, if you're telling me I could have Legereus for a three for 45 or a second rounder, give me Legereus three for 45. But if it's looking at it at a, a three for, um, you know, 55. Well, maybe I'm pulling the trigger right there. The Chiefs obviously have more holes than I think people would like to admit right now. Even if you bring back Chris Jones, the interior defensive line is very, very thin. You don't have the ammo to move up. Maybe this does give you the ammo to get Sweat or Murphy from Texas, those interior defensive linemen. Obviously, wide receiver is a position of need, which is why I don't think the Chiefs should go out and sign a Mike Evans, which again, according to a report from the Buccaneers, Mike Evans they might even overpay Mike Evans to keep him in Tampa Bay. Um, you got to hit on some draft picks, and you don't have a lot of darts to throw. You have five right now, I believe, before you start getting into compensatory picks with, I believe, one Thornhill and Andrew Wiley. Um, so I'm sitting here going, you can't trade up. We saw last year the Chiefs couldn't trade back to try and garner another second rounder because if they couldn't do it with Will Levis, a quarterback, who a lot of folks might have thought, oh, great, this is great for Kansas City. They can trade back because someone's going to want the fifth-year option on a quarterback. They couldn't get out of 32, I guess technically 31 then. Well, they didn't get out of 32 this year. Even if, for example, Michael Penix Jr. is still there. We saw it last year with Will Levis. It ain't happening. So the Chiefs most likely are going to be stuck at 32. Um, if you can get a second rounder for Snead, I think you almost got to look long and hard about making that deal. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm with you because, look, Snead deserves the bag, so he deserves to get paid. I don't want to be the team that pays him long-term if if it's like 20 mil, if it's 18 mil. I just don't like it. I will say this, if it's 15 mil, we talked about his knees earlier. Let's say he has – I will say this. Snead, ha, Snead has a history of playing some safety. He came, he came in, to, he came in having, play, having started at safety at, at Louisiana Tech. Um, I'll say this. He could transition to safety and be a hell of a safety. And while that price tag is expensive at safety, if he's a hell of a safety, it's not like outrageous for that position. So there's a potential here. If the deal is not super expensive and if he doesn't age well at corner, that sort of versatility actually plays well in his favor to give other teams or even the chiefs some security to feel like we could still get some value out of this. It won't be just like a cornerback hits the wall. And then suddenly we got to figure out like what to do with this like $18 million chasm kind of thing. I'm not going to lie. When you said hits the wall, I just thought of 1985 by bowling for soup. That was the only thing I could think about was Debbie just hit the wall. Um, <laughs> Dude, that is, that's how my mind works. That is like, get, get, get like inside record. inside the the mind of Sterling Holmes. Wait, here's what's funny. What year were you born? 
1994. How old is that song? Oh, I can't. I did the the math the other day. I forget what it was, but that song is actually closer to 1985 than the current year. So when they talk about like 1985 being a long time ago, oh, hold up! When that song came out, it's actually, uh, yeah. I love that all your musical references are like negative years from when you were actually born. You're like, yeah, it's pretty nice. I love that song from when I was negative nine. I love it. That sounds great. (laughs) Anyway, um, folks, in, in other news today, or or at least in. News that happened since I sat down with Sterling. Um, Matt Ariza. I mean, normally a punter is not like big news here. But I, like I wanted to get on the record here. You and I have not discussed this. Like Tommy Townsend was an all-pro at one point. Had a couple great years with the Chiefs. Um, was, I mean, I, th- I thought it was worth re-upping him. The chief said, Matt, you're stupid, which is, of course, par for the course. Um, we're going to save some money with specialists here. And then now, uh, and then now, you know, Ariza, Ariza, how do you say that? Do you know I thought it was Ariza. Ariza. We're, uh, you know, it's gotten a rise out of some people, if you know what I'm saying. But with the signing. Um, and then earlier today from the from the combine, Brett Veach said, you know, this guy should have been in the league sooner than – than he is now. Um, since I haven't, we haven't talked about this. I like, I mean, I like obviously a guy who goes by punt God taking over for the punter I wanted to keep. That makes me feel better about it. But what did you think of the signing? Yeah, man. It, again, the off the field stuff, that's for everyone to do their research and, and look up on your own. Um, don't want to try and sway anyone yeah. one way or the other. Charges were obviously, they're no longer there. So yeah, take that as you will, look into it. I don't want to talk about that uh, on here. Um, but as far as the actual signing itself goes, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, they did it with Dustin Colquitt, who was a cornerstone in Kansas City for a long time. Tommy Townsend was a very, very good punter. But he also was very inconsistent. Like, I, I, I feel like we sometimes only remember the great of Tommy and we don't remember some of the inconsistencies. Last year, I guess two years ago, technically now, was phenomenal. Last year, the inconsistencies somewhat came back now of course in the biggest moments in the biggest stages he had his best punts that's great there were no issues with his holding this season um which obviously was a huge step in the right direction but if he ends up getting paid like one of the um top end punters which i assume he's going to i hope it's not kansas city i feel bad saying that but if you can save a couple million here and there that might be the difference between signing chris jones if it's okay, Chris Jones can get 29 now instead of 26 because Tommy's no longer here. Sorry, Tommy. I'll go with the, the cheaper contract punter. Yeah. Team that you're hoping doesn't punt a lot. It makes a lot of sense. Sure. Um, Dave Tobe's going to have his say. Obviously, I think part of it's going to come down to hopefully he's a, a good holder as well. But I, I, I trust Harrison Butker and whoever the punter is, the holder is, to get on the same page. Just a, on a team building move, this is a savvy move and a, and a move that I think most teams would make. Yeah. But by the way, just for a little perspective, the difference between maybe what Tommy Townsend is going to make next year and what Arise is going to make next year is about what Drew Tranquil made this year. So, you know, if you're looking at, well, what's the big deal if we save $3 million, we could have kept Townsend? Well, the difference in $3 million is the ability to pick up a guy like Drew Tranquil, it's more than you paid Mike Edwards. Um, those kind of guys, as we said this whole year, turned out to be the glue guys 
the difference makers, the role players who stepped in. So Brett Veach is giving himself um, a little bit more wiggle room to either grab that guy or to tack on to be able to maybe match the price tag of a guy. Those kinds of things, he like he he knows what he's going to have to do here. So that was probably a pretty easy call to make. Yeah, in regards to, I know some folks will say the salary cap rose and this helps. That's helping Kansas City because it's more than they expected. Yeah, but every team is in the same boat. Right. So now you'll probably see just the contracts in general. While, yeah, it's good for Kansas City to an extent. Well, the Chiefs got outbid for Tyreek Hill. A team could just completely say, all right, Chris, we'll give you 33 a year. The Bears, the Commanders, the New England Patriots, the you know the Panthers. Like look around the NFL, teams that have a absurd amount of cap space. They might say that's fine and all. Chiefs, that's great. You offer twenty eight, we'll offer thirty three. Like because they can. Yeah. There's so much money to work with now. It's not just behooving Kansas City. It behooves the rest of the NFL. So to me, it's almost more of a wash. Yeah, yeah, and and I think it's I think it's important. You know when when a team has to, or is. When a team wants to make the leap from non-contender to contender, like when you, when you're, when you're like, we look, we have to get that piece. You have to overpay for it. You just do. That's why teams pay what they do to get a top, like to move up to number one. It's why Carolina Panthers moved heaven and earth to get there. I mean, you could call it the wrong move. They certainly drafted the quote wrong guy after the optics of one year, but that's the cost of doing business. If you want to bring in a defensive cornerstone who's going to change things, look, Brett Veach just did it a few years ago. We just talked about it. Here's a first. Here's a second. And we're going to pay the guy $50 million because we need Frank Clark up front because we cannot rebuild this defense without the cornerstone. And Chris Jones is a proven cornerstone. If I'm the Bears, there's no I'm I'm standing there with $33 million in bags with a dollar sign on them, like <laughs> Uncle Scrooge McDuck, right? I'm standing there on the corner going, name it. If you need more millions, we'll we'll throw that in. I mean, if, if you have like $70 million and you're saying, we're going to have our cornerback, we're going to have our, like we're rebuilding, like, we're ready to compete now in the AFC. Why wouldn't you? And you can do so much upfront with it too. You can even have a massive cap hit year one, like the Texans could if they wanted to realistically, because you have CJ Stroud on a rookie deal, right? Nico Collins right. and Tank Dell on a rookie deal. Like the Texans, for example, would make me nervous. Cause if you put Chris Jones and Will Anderson, again, also on a rookie deal, I mean, the Texans will be around for a while now. They're, they're built very, very well. Yeah. Um, why, why do you think I was so excited about them in the, in the off season, by the way, everyone? See, I sometimes get things right. Um, but yeah, that that team in particular would scare me as far as Chris Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. We're we're we're, um, we're both on the same page. You and I have been working together so long that I think we're kind of symbiotic now into one. I, I know you're marrying someone else later this fall, but, you know, I I hope she feels a little bit jealous of our chemistry because we've got something here, too. Let's move on here in the show. By the way, we were supposed to talk about, um, you know, we're supposed to look at the at the inventory of what Let's the Chiefs it. have on offense. Let's do it. You ready? Um, folks, last week, if you were with us last week, we looked at the cupboards and said, what's in here? Sterling and I are ready to go grocery shop. I mean, free agent shopping, if you will. Uh, but you can't go shopping without your list. What do we already have at the house? And what are we shopping for? And our list 
you got to look through the cupboards to do so. We did so on defense last week, and it was a little surprising. You, when you start looking, you're like, uh, how come the only defensive tackle we have is Neil Farrell? And what's the expiration date on that? So, yeah, things are looking a little <laughs> – there it is. So on offense for this week, it's time to go through the cupboards. Um, Sterling, I just want to go through this list. By the way, here are the free agents that we're losing on offense. And as I read this, by the way, isn't this amazing? When I read this list, I thought, dude, like you could let all these guys disappear and we're still winning the same amount of games as we won last year. Anyway, here are the free agents scheduled to hit free agency uh, from the Chiefs. In the new with the new league year coming up in less than two weeks, you have Nick Allegretti, Blake Bell, Clyde Edwards Elaire, Blaine Gabbert, McCole Hardman, Richie James, Jarek McKinnon, Donovan Smith, and you got a couple restricted guys, Prince Tegawanogo, yeah, yeah, and Jody Fortson. Um, anyone there that you're like, please, please, please bring him back or are you like meh on some on sure? I went to the store with my list, and this is what I came back with. It's it's, it's for the audio listeners. It's me with a Nick Allegretti and a heart uh, written on a piece of paper, um, because I think Nick Allegretti is the perfect backup offensive lineman. The yep. issue is is he going to get starter offers? If he gets starter offers, the Kansas City Chiefs have no chance. A la Andrew Wiley. Yeah. But if no team comes out and is like, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a, a starting position and starter money, I think the Chiefs should prioritize bringing back Nick Allegretti. Um, he can start, obviously, in a pinch. He can be a very, very good starter in a pinch. He understands that role very, very well. He can play, I think, all three offensive line, interior position, center, left guard, and right guard. The versatility he brings, I, I, I would pay him a – high amount for a backup offensive lineman because I think Nick Allegretti is that important. What do you make of this? Because like we you just mentioned Wiley. When Wiley was done, Wiley got three years and twenty I just that's what I was just looking up. Wiley got three years, twenty-four million dollars from the commanders to go follow Eric B. Enemy and try to help install what Kansas City had on offense over there. Um Allegretti was already a free agent though last year. Mm-hmm. Like we didn't talk at this level about Allegretti a year ago. And the Chiefs quietly resigned him for one year and like $2 million. It was like, it was double the veteran minimum, which was a nice gesture, but it's not like a ton of money there. I have a hard time believing that Allegretti, despite his heroics in the Super Bowl, is going to be able to generate interest around the league to jump from a one year, $2 million deal to like three year, 24. Well, obviously it's a different position too. Wiley's right tackle versus a guard. Sure. Um, Although tackle, Wiley had all kinds of guard eligibility, like he could play sure, all of that. Sure. But but having the ability to play tackle, obviously tackles just get paid more. Sure. For, for example, I mean, just hypothetically, would you bring him back for two for eight? I mean, I, again, he, he's going to be a backup. That's a lot of money for a backup offensive lineman. I get that. But yep. like, I, I think it's a real conversation that, the Chiefs need to have. I, I value backup offensive linemen more than backups on other parts of the roster. Sure. Be, because we have seen Mahomes face 
yeah. a team with a banged up, injured offensive line. We saw yeah. how important. Again, I think Nick Allegretti is that good. You can use him as a sixth offensive lineman at times. I actually think if you wanted to get creative, you can even probably line him up in the backfield. <laughs> um, you know, the Cowboys would do that sometimes, right? With um, McGovern. You know, I wonder if you could do a little similar thing with Allegretti. Sure. Like he, he, I don't, I don't know, man. Like I, I value backup offensive linemen a good amount. I, I think the trenches are always overlooked. Yeah, I, I like what you're saying. Here's what I would say about Allegretti. I would, I think that um, given how expensive some of the line is going to get, um, because Creed and Trey Smith are entering into extension territory. Tooney's getting both older and more expensive. I think that it's time that you have to, to me, it's like let Allegretti go if he's not going to be cheap and, 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 and give him, give him applause on his way out. Cause he's a, he's a total folk hero now in, in KC, a great guy. And I'd love to see him around, but you need to develop new blood behind him. Um, maybe grabbing like a mid round interior lineman kind of guy to develop just in case. After you also have Mike Caliendo. Yeah. And, and, and they've tried that. Um, the dude from Kentucky, right? They tried with the guy from Kentucky. Nothing there so far, at least. Um, Wanya Morris looks like at least a early hit so far. What's he going to be? Tackle, most likely. Yeah. Um, then obviously Lucas Niang has still been, uh, we're talking about potential as he enters year four, right? Year four with the COVID year. Yeah, um, this is it for him. Contract um, year. Not great. So we'll see. Um but Allegretti is that guy. And I also say Richie James should get like a two-year, $100 million contract, um, something around there. Richie James. Hey, we're talking about the offensive line, so let's take inventory here. This is what's coming back next year, already under contract. You it, Like, if left to right, right now we had to have a line, you'd have Wanya Morris out left, Joe Tooney, Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith, Jawan Taylor. Then behind them, you would have Prince Tegawanogo on on as a restricted free agent. I'm assuming he's back. Uh, Mike Caliendo, uh, who's an exclusive rights free agent, which basically means if the Chiefs want him, he has to sign their deal. Niang is back in a contract year, which could be interesting. And then Jason Godrick on a futures deal. By the way, Jason Godrick is one of the um, – the NFL has a program called the International Player Pathways Program – where they kind of give you a free international prospect to develop. And that's who he is. And he doesn't count for a roster spot, um, at least initially. He's just kind of allowed to live on your roster and and grow with the team. So that's what that's all about. Uh, as you look at that, that's a nice starting five, even before you go shopping. Like, like to start with that as your base. I feel good about that with Winogo, Niang, and Caliendo behind them. How do you feel about that, and and what other shopping would you do? Yeah. Uh, also, shout out to Lucas saying Darian Kennard signed with the Eagles for what it's worth. Yeah, that was the guy, the guy from Kentucky, the guard from Kentucky. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think it's a good starting five where, where you're starting at right now. I think Wanya Morris is a guy I'm higher on than most. I do believe he can be a left tackle. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be Trent Williams, but no one's Trent Williams. Like, can he be a good left tackle on a rookie contract? Can he be an above average or an average left tackle on a rookie contract? I think he can be. 
you typically see the largest jump for offensive tackles. And I, I always say defensive um, linemen as well. Year one to year two. I just think it's such an adjustment adjustment from college to the NFL. And you've seen guys who looked horrible as a rookie top five tackle. Like, uh, who, who is it? Andrew Thomas for the Giants, right? He was brutal as rookie year. They're like, oh, get him out of here. And then all of a sudden he's like one of the best tackles in football. Yeah. Like these guys, you got to be patient with. And the fact that Wanya Morris looked as solid as he did, he got beat a lot, but he looked solid the majority of the time to me bears well for what he's going to be so i'm projecting a pretty large step forward where the highs are still the highs but the lows are now not quite as low um again maybe you view him more as a right tackle that's fine i do not view juan taylor as a left tackle so you got to stick with him on the right and hopefully wanye is your guy at left um one is going to be here because maybe if Juwan Taylor does not take a step forward. You can try and get out of the contract next year. And you can use Wanye as your right tackle. Maybe the Chiefs try and draft a tackle in the first round. I mean, there's a, a plethora of ways the Chiefs are going to try and revamp this offensive line. I would imagine they bring in a veteran tackle at some point, a la Donovan Smith. Yeah. Um, but at least as a jumping off point, this starting five or these five guys, I'm pretty happy about. Yeah. By the way, you know who's a free agent? Charlie Heck, son of offensive uh, line coach Andy Heck, uh, who's been with the Houston Texans the last four years. Could be a nice little homecoming there. Um, all right, let's go to – let's just work our way backwards. Let's go to tight ends here. We're taking inventory on offense before we go shopping this offseason. Travis Kelsey and Noah Gray are in-house, as well as Isaiah Gavings, a futures deal, who you like, if I remember correctly. Am I right that you've been somewhat enamored with him? Or am uh, I misremembering? I think you're misremembering. I I, I don't remember gatherings. Uh, I'm not gathering on gatherings very well. I, um, I thought you said you had a tattoo of him or something. I do have a tattoo of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, but, but there it is. Unrelated. Yeah. Um, no, I, I like the guy from uh, former Mizzou guy, uh, Kendall Blanton. Um, oh, he's not he, around. No, he's not around him, but that was last offseason. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you so going into this year? By the way, Noah Gray, this is his contract year. So you have Kelsey, who's what, 35, I think, next year. Um, and then you have Noah Gray contract year. The cupboard could look very barren like seven or eight months from now at this position. Does that worry you? I guess I'm asking because tight ends take a while to develop at the pro level. You know, most of them kind of come into their own around year three. Um, wondering what you think of the state of things and, and what you think that means for what the chiefs may do here. Yeah. And let's be real now. It's not a very good tight end class. We're not sitting here going, Oh, last year was great. You know, last year was, yeah. was chock yeah. full. You got Brock Bowers. Great. But then you go all the way down to Jadavion Sanders, Ben Sennett from K-State, who's solid, but I, I don't think he's like this needle mover, right? Yeah. Um, again, I watched a lot of K-State games. He's solid, but I don't, I, I'm, I'm not going to say, oh, yeah, he's he's your your, your Kelsey replacement. Um, you know, Cade Stover, Ohio State, Theo Johnson, Penn State. Um, there's just not a lot of great dudes. Um Maybe Jonu Smith, who got uh, cut today from Atlanta. If you want to go the veteran route, he had a nice year, 50 receptions, 582 yards, three touchdowns. Now, 
He's a guy who was used to being a backup. And then, of course, of course, Arthur Smith was like, hey, you know how we have Kyle Pitts and Drake London? What if we only throw the ball to Johnny Smith? <laughs> like, um, probably why he got canned on it. Let's be real. That's a big part. Yeah. But I, I think a veteran tight end would make some sense. I'm not a fan of bringing back Blake Bell. I'm just, I'm just not. Um, he's a fine blocking tight end. You got to move on. You you, you got to you got to find someone who can also reel in the rock and not get the ball stripped from him on a three yard in route. You know, on your yeah. own twenty. Um, John o. Smith, I think, would be just just. I just saw his name today, so that's why I'm saying that. But um, I think a veteran tight end would make a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited to see what Noah Gray can do uh, with maybe a little bit more here. I think he's motivated contract year. It'll be interesting to see how much room the chiefs give him knowing he's been more and more effective every year. Um, but yeah, you know, I, I, I'm with you on Blake bell. If you can't, if you can't draft and develop that third tight end blocking tight end, what are we even doing? Um, and, and, and again, just, it just, just the, the draft is just not good this year. And, and they missed the boat last year on tight end, which again, they had a really good draft overall. So it's tough to complain, but you don't have that positional value this year in it. So you're kind of taking a shot in the dark. Uh, as far as tight ends who are free agents, you have Hunter Henry, Johnu Smith, Dalton Schultz, who I would be shocked if Houston let him go. Uh, Gerald Everett, Mike Gusecki, Noah Fant, who's still relatively young. Austin Hooper, Robert Tunyon, the tight end uh, red zone maverick. Uh, <laughs> Mercedes Lewis, who's going to be 40 years old somehow, still Holy. kicking it. Uh, Irv Smith, you know, you start getting real down there. Tyler Croftish range, Drew Sample range. Uh, I mean, you're not going to make a play for Dalton Schultz unless unless Travis Kelsey's no longer around. Yeah, I mean, you course. just don't need a guy like that. You He's going to get paid. Yeah, yeah. You just don't. You just don't need a guy on that level. I don't even know. If there's room for a guy like Johnu Smith if you have Noah Gray here and Kelsey. Yeah. So you know, to me, it's like, you know, you draft a guy or find overall here um but you're not drafting kelsey's replacement here either this year also i wouldn't like any move up the board for for brock bowers i just wouldn't no i don't don't, no 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 of all the things you're doing trading up for a tight end um i don't has any of these guys worked out by the way every year we hear like this is the best tight end prospect in for like oh, TJ hawkinson this year is pretty good and TJ hawkinson's incredible not for the Lions. Right, exactly. I mean, he but took forever to come around. Oh, he's phenomenal. Dalton Kincaid for the Bills this year was outstanding. I'm I was, saying. I think Mayer for, for the Raiders, he's real solid. He didn't get a lot of opportunity this year, but he was solid. I, I, I'm saying these guys who were first-round tight ends, especially though there's been guys taken in the top 10, and I'm saying they don't play like top 10. Of all the of all the things that you climb the draft board for, tight end is not one of them. They're just you just don't do it. Correct. Even Kyle Pitts is the perfect the prime example of this. Right. Right. And Hawkinson, by the way, you said it. It took him his second team and a few years in the league before he's making good on that on that draft investment. I just, you know, Noah Font was number twenty overall. The Broncos. We, we've just seen this several times. We did this entire thing last year. We, you, I, I don't know if it was you and me, but I went through the entire list of first round tight ends, and it was brutal. It's like brutal. It's, like right. it's it's right. it's brutal. Um, I will say Dalton Kincaid. He was first round. Was he second? Dalton Kincaid's kind of 
switching that narrative because I think Kincaid's an absolute stud. Sure, sure. I like Sam Laporta too, by the way. The, oh, Sam Laporta, the, thank you. Yeah, who was the only first round tight end? I think Kincaid was second round. Bills. Wait, was he first round? I can't remember now. I'm. I'm. Who knows? We're old. Whatever. It's not like we have this thing in front of us that we're doing this show on that we can actually look it up where he was drafted when. I'm looking it up right now, and he was drafted. You know, Kincaid was the first. The why doesn't it show me? You son of a gun! Why are you doing this to me? Why why are you making me look like a buffoon here? Uh, he was drafted. What the hell? First round, twenty fifth overall. Yeah, he was. He was. Yep. Um, let's go to wide receiver. What's in the cupboards there for us, Sterling? Do you want to run down the names? Yeah, the wide receiver list is Justin Watson. He is on that second year of the deal he signed last year. He can be back for about $2 million. You cut him. And not a lot is guaranteed, but for $2 mil, I think you bring him back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Kadarius Toney, uh, both guys who I think everyone assumes to be gone. Although Tony, again, on a very, very cheap contract, maybe he would be back. Sky Moore entering his third year of his rookie deal. You have Justin Ross, Rasheed Rice, of course, Cornell Powell, Nico Remigio, uh, Shay Smith, who's a future, Jacob Copeland, future, Andy Miller, future in Montreal, Washington, as a future. Um, you have Rasheed Rice there, who's the obvious. Um, percent chances the MBS is gone, uh, like like one to one hundred. What do you say there? Eighty. I, I, I think I think most people would say like ninety five to one hundred, but I think a restructure legitimately might be a possibility, or like See, yes. Yeah, I think so, too. I think there's a lot of goodwill in Arrowhead for Valdez Scantling. I I think I think internally they like him a lot. I think Mahomes likes him. I think they trust him. I think he earned some goodwill back in the postseason. I think the team is willing to look at him and go, we'll give you a mulligan for some of the regular season foibles. And if you're amenable to coming back for a much lesser deal like what frank clark was willing to do there um toward the end of his deal it wouldn't surprise me if mbs came back as the veteran presence in that room yeah almost you know he's supposed to make like 12 million or something this year but maybe if they did it over two years we're like hey we're just going to add a second year on again i'm not saying we want that i'm not saying that it's a guarantee but correct, it, correct. it feels like a very kansas city chiefs move to do especially when as much as we want to see a you know a big name wide receiver come in and, and another you know high draft pick, I don't think they're going to spend money to bring in a top end free agent. You're going to see a veteran, so it comes down to what veteran would you prefer to have here? What secondary, tertiary, uh, quiduciary? <laughs> I'll be your I'll be your fiduciary wide receiver. You're going to bring in like. I think they just trust MVS and what he's probably going to cost is not going to be a ton. So you probably are back with Watson MVS. I think Sky Moore is still here and obviously Rice. Those are the probable four maybe. Yeah. yeah. And then plus the addition of a most likely, a, again, tertiary veteran and a draft pick. Yeah, we'll probably see a couple more guys come in the room. Uh, by the way, just some comments here on MVS, the idea. Uh, Tom Hood says, I'd like to see MVS and Tony gone. He's making too much money. For his lack of production. Yep, of course, that's why we said a restructured deal there. ADG said MVS had three good games all year. No thank no thank you. That you know, that's a common sentiment. And and there's a big part of me that's like, yeah, I get it. I get it. And I'm ready for I think a lot of us are maybe ready for something new in the room. Uh, despite the returns of the last couple of years in terms of championships. Um, but I get it. But we've also seen 
the Chiefs talk very glowingly about MVS from basically everyone involved. Veach, Reed, Mahomes, everyone loves him. Um, and then uh, Lucas says, in my opinion, MVS is not worth $12 million even over two years. Uh, if he's unwilling to cut his base salary down to $2 million, just cut him and move on. I mean, that sounds great to me. Minimal deal. Um, you know, things get funny, though, when you're talking about a guy's paycheck. And yeah. uh, who knows what's going to happen there. Um, let me, uh, I'll also point out with Kadarius Tony. while I think we all assume he's gone, I don't want Kadarius Tony back because I think just everything is it, – it, it's not worth – the juice ain't worth the squeeze. Sure. You're, getting, you're getting bad lemons. You're squeezing bad lemons into your big batch of lemonade, and it's going to contaminate the entire lemonade. Um, What's your guess on him? One to 100, he's back next year. I think 75% he's gone. Okay. But legitimately, I don't want this. But I think the reason why is you Chiefs don't save any money if they cut him. Yeah. So yeah. – if you want to say, okay, that's great. You're not saving money from cutting him. We know how the Chiefs operate. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if they kept him around through the preseason as long as he's on good behavior. And the moment he does anything, you know, to hurt his short leash, you let him go. Yeah. And Sky Moore's back. I'm sorry, everyone. I know some folks just despise the guy. I, I, Again, I've gone on my rant of why I think that he could at least be a, again, useful. When I say useful, 400-yard type of receiver. Serviceable. Uh, serviceable. Yeah. He's on a rookie deal. He's got two years left. I would be shocked if he's not back next year. Yes, totally. Totally. Uh, looking at the wide receiver room and what is there, how do you feel about it going into free agency in the draft? Not great, Matt. Um but I also don't think that I want the Chiefs to do this massive overhaul that the majority of people do. I've talked about it ad nauseum, so I don't necessarily want to get into it again on here. My short synopsis is I think that what they did work. Mahomes can elevate his receivers and Andy Reid as well in a three to four game sample size. While it might not look like it or be able to happen over the entirety of a season, if you make it to the dance and all of a sudden Andy goes, yeah, I got plays for this. I can run corn dog with Nicole. I can run this play with this guy. I can do this in the biggest moments. They can find ways to win because Mahomes and Andy can elevate these wide receivers. You know what Mahomes can't elevate? He cannot elevate the defense. While he does elevate the offensive line to an extent, he can't elevate them when he's getting pressure in his face nonstop. So when you have... Mahomes on a non-rookie contract and you are in the salary cap era, you will have to find a way to make a concession somewhere. Luckily, they hit on Rasheed Rice. That's a huge help here. But you'll have to make concessions somewhere. I'm in the camp of you make concessions where the greatest player, maybe in the history of the game, can elevate. And that way he doesn't have to score 40 points a game yet again, like we've seen in the past. Uh, That's where I'm at. So yeah. G. Rice yeah. is a top 32 wide receiver. I think Sky Moore can be serviceable. I think Justin Watson's back. I think, again, a secondary, tertiary type of wide receiver is here, and then you draft a rookie. That's what you roll with. Yeah. By the way, I think McCole Harmon's back too. I don't know if you heard Brett Veach from the from the Combine today, but Brett, Brett spoke very highly um, about Hardman having his moment in the postseason, that they were glad to have him back, and that he had his hiccups early on. But he got through those, had a nice moment, and he said, "We will be talking to his, uh, you know, we'll be checking and talking to his people." I I just think there's the the pair will find a way to come back on a cheap one year deal, and we'll have Hardman back again for at least one more season. That's my guess there. Running back, um, what names do we have uh, to take inventory on here? 
Uh, Isaiah Pacheco, LaMichael P. Ryan, Hassan Hall on a future deal, Daenerik Prince on a futures deal, and then Keontae Ingram on a futures deal. I was actually kind of intrigued by Keontae Ingram when he came over from Arizona. Uh, that's not because I had him on my dynasty fantasy football team. Uh, maybe, okay, maybe a little bit it is. Um, Isaiah is the guy. You know, Isaiah is number one. I, I would expect the Chiefs to either have – Daenerik, Keontae, or LaMichael maybe as the RB3. Maybe you see Clyde Edwards-Alaire return. Um, maybe you see another late-round draft pick as well. But you're going to see, of course, Pacheco be your RB1. But we've all seen time and time again, depth is paramount at running back. Guys get injured. It's a very brutal physical position. They're a Massive amount of talented running backs in the market this year, which is going to drive the market down even further. Yeah, saw so the Giants and the Raiders basically say, "Hey, most likely we're not going to we're not going to franchise tag those guys because they don't even pay that much money to those top of the line guys." Yeah, you have Austin Eckler as a free agent. Well, I mean, I mean, the list goes on and on. Um, I wouldn't mind whatever Eckler is going to cost. You know, he's a little more versatile, a little younger. Um, better version of Jarek McKinnon. Like <laughs> imagine Austin yeah, I love it. I love it. third down back. I mean, that would be tantalizing. I don't want to pay a running back. I think the chiefs have found the way of we'll go cheap at running back as well. doesn't matter when you have Pacheco on a rookie contract that alleviates um, the Clyde Edwards layer contract. And again, who knows? Maybe Clyde's back on a cheap deal again, just as protection. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. I, when I look at that list, I just want to, I just, if we were a radio show right now, I would prompt the guy to hit the flush noise. Yep. And I would just have that going because uh, like, I'm just ready to flush the whole thing besides Pacheco out there. But look, here's the thing. Oh, sorry. I thought we were doing that. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm done with you. Look, nothing there moves the meter for me. P. Ryan, Ingram, Prince, Hall, could care less. Pacheco. Ooh, Everyone uh, loves. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought we were keep doing these radio <laughs> Everyone loves Pacheco, but let's be honest. The dude, the dude runs so violently. He had two shoulder shoulder surgeries last year. Uh, even his age, I just like long term wise. I'm like, you can't count on that. Uh, to me, you need another like a co lead back, and then I'm saying re restack the whole deck after him. So I'm, you know, I'm in on like Zach Moss, Austin Eckler. I'm in on Eckler. I'm in on a drafting a guy late. Like, give me just all new names around. I'm ready for a total redo in that backfield. And it doesn't have to be expensive at all. And like you said, dude, this off, like Derrick Henry, free agent, Josh Jacobs, free agent, Tony Pollard, free agent, Saquon Barkley, free agent. I mean, all those names are going to knock down. The guys that that the Chiefs, I mean, the Chiefs are going to get a nice veteran, I think, for peanuts because the whole market is going to be so shifty this year. Uh, I think people are going to be playing musical chairs going, if the Chiefs put out a cheap deal and go, do you want to join us and chase a ring, get some good yards one year, showcase your stuff in prime time with Mahomes, who wants it? I think there's going to be some musical chairs and I think one good guy is going to go, I will take that deal. That's what I think is going to happen. If Cody Schrader gets drafted by Kansas City, I am going to lose my mind. That dude is a what grinder. Will you do? 
I, I would be thrilled. I'd probably get a Cody Schrader jersey, even if he's on the practice squad. I don't care. <laughs> Cody Schrader is an absolute grinder, dude. That guy is a great pass catcher. He will pass protect as well. That guy will put his body in the way of a moving train if it means that his quarterback has an extra second. Cody Schrader from Mizzou, keep an eye out on him. Uh, mid to late round running back. Again, he had great numbers. You know, he was the best running back, I think, in college football last year. I mean, again, not necessarily like talent wise, but production wise, man. I mean, he just keeps outdoing what he's supposed to do from Truman State to Mizzou to the SEC to now the NFL. I mean, man, his story is is just phenomenal. That'd be a good story for sure if he stayed local uh, in that way. Of course, we have quarterback here. We'll talk about it. It doesn't take much. We have Patrick Mahomes. And then two futures guys, Ian Book uh, and and your boy. You like you like a lot of – how do you Ludicon. say that? I, 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 I said Chris Ludicon. I, I have no idea. I actually learned how to pronounce it last year. Then I just completely forgot about it, and that's where we're at. Chris. Chris is out there. Chris O., we're getting rid of Blaine G. Chris maybe. Cross. I, I would take Chris Cross as the backup quarterback. I think that'd be pretty fun. They put the jersey on backwards and everything. <laughs> Those guys are wiggy to wiggy to wiggy to whack. Uh, um, veteran. Yeah. It's going to be a veteran. Sorry. Spoiler alert for everyone who's listening to this right now. If they didn't go with uh, what's his name, who went to Arizona last year. Um, here for a long time. We all liked him. I thought that, oh, yeah, finally he'll be the backup quarterback. Uh, oh, Bouchel. Shane Bouchel. Bouchel. Shane, Shane, Shane Bobby Bouchel. Um, Bobby Bouchel. When he didn't get the opportunity to go, okay, it's going to be Gabbert, the Chase Daniel, the Matt Moore, the Chad yep. Henney. If Blaine Gabbert's back, I would not be surprised. Like, th- yep. that's, you know, the only name I, I would think would be really fun also Mizzou, which is kind of funny because they've gone from Chase to, to Blaine. If Drew Locke became a Kansas Chief, I, I would be enamored with that. Yeah. Like, I would love just to say, all right, Mahomes, you sit for three games. I want to see Andy Reid with Drew Locke and that <laughs> arm talent just to see just to see if Denver and Seattle just is just completely wrong. You know what I you know what I think would be interesting from, from Drew Locke's perspective? He's 27. If you said, look, I it's not the it's not the opportunity to start. Yes, but if you went and sat in KC for one year, learn from Mahomes, practice with Mahomes, get some of that Andy Reid magic going on, maybe win a ring in the process, by the way, and be a part of history, and then and and by the way, play close to home, and then from there you step out as a 28 year old now with some mystique to you. Because suddenly that year with Mahomes and the Chiefs will have people going, well, wait, what did he learn? And maybe we want to take it. I mean, to me, that's the best sort of scenario for a guy like that who maybe still has a little bit of potential untapped, but no one knows for sure. Do you go to another mediocre team and and earn a job in week nine through 11 for the I don't for the I don't yes. even know who for the Saints? You know, is he going to play for the Saints? And rotate with Jameis Winston and Derek Carr and Taysom Hill and whatever else is going on. I don't know. I'm just you know you know what I'm saying. Um, yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting to me. And I think there's a good case for Locke to go. Let me back him up. Let me back him up and see what happens. Yeah. Uh, all right, everyone. I will also point out 
but we got a commemorative football that y'all can get. Attention, Kansas City Chiefs fans. Your team has clinched the Super Bowl 58 title, marking a monumentous victory that deserves to be celebrated in grand style. We're thrilled to offer you an exclusive piece of history, a limited edition Super Bowl 58 Champions football crafted with unmatched quality. This collector's item captures the glory of the Chiefs' triumph like nothing else. But here's the catch. Just how MVS, you know, caught the fourth and one. Only a few hundred <laughs> of these commemorative masterpieces are left, making it a rare gem you do not want to miss. Make it yours today and save $10 instantly with the special code ADDICT at checkout. And there's more. Order through our exclusive link by the end of February, and you'll also be entered to a once-in-a-lifetime draw to win a Champions Football for free. Don't let don't let this opportunity slip through your fingers. Celebrate your Chiefs victory with a keepsake that stands the test of time. Order now and keep the spirit of Super Bowl 58 alive forever. You said monumentous and I love that new word. I know. I'm I'm in. I'm in. Monumentous. I I, I really think that that needs to be in the dictionary. I don't know why it's already not. I like I look it. at a massive monument and that is monumentous and that's what we're talking about here. Patrick Mahomes is monumentous. He's monumentous. I'm sorry. Yeah. Richard is monumentous. Where are you at, our friends? My friend. Uh, I'm here, gentlemen. Good to see you all. Folks, we're, uh, we've arrived at the end of our Tuesday show. But before we go, by the way, uh, we always, uh, the three of us, hang out to um, do our must list, which is where we recommend something we've read, we have uh, viewed, listened to, hung out with, whatever it is. Uh, recommending for this week. Uh, Richard, we're going to let you open up our must list. Uh, what are you recommending for our listeners, viewers this week? All right. I, I, I wanted to go back, way back to when Richard was in high school. That was like 2006 or so. Uh, and a, a little after that, I was into this band called Calexico. I don't know if any of you have heard of it. I feel like yeah, Connor. They've been around I, a long time. They've been around. They're still they're still, still rocking and rolling. Around. And I don't listen to them as much, but I just want to recommend maybe people should check out uh I think it's 2002's uh Feast of Wire. That's a really good album. I haven't listened to that in forever. Um so this band, they're they're like an alt country band. They're from Tucson, Arizona. Uh, but they have like a really interesting sound. Uh I used to call them, me and my friends before we saw the Wikipedia article saying this, as I'm looking at now, we used to call them dark country, because to us it just felt like country music. Music, but like you'd listen to it in at night you'd be riding your horse at night and doing some nefarious <laughs> shit at night but you know I, strangely enough that people call them desert noir which actually sounds a lot cooler Ooh. um so yeah it's just very moody tracks uh very country inspired but there's a lot of interesting there's like jazz on feast of wire um there's some very like uh, I think it's called Tejano, like Tex-Mex sort of stuff, too, as well. Yeah. It's, it's it's very varied. Um, so, yeah, check out Feast of Wire. I would recommend anything pre-2008. Anything that has the artwork by, um, I just looked up, looked at him up, Victor Gastelum. It's like this kind of, I don't know how to describe it. You'll see his art, and you'll go, ah, that's the, the album art Richard's talking about. Any of those albums typically are cool, too. So, Calexico, C-L-E-X-I-C-O. Throw it in the Discord. Please, throw it in the I want to check. I, I want to remember this and throw it in the Discord because I'm going to check yeah. that bad boy. Hey, they're out. legit good, and and the lead guy, the main songwriter, lives in Mexico, so he always brings some of those like international flavors in. And they've had some good collaborations, right? They, mm-hmm. I feel like Colexico did something with Iron and Wine, yes. um, that was yeah. like kind of a big project, stuff like that. So, yeah, the um, yeah, they're pretty varied. It's it's a, I'm with you, Richard. I appreciate that recommendation. Is what I'm saying. Thank you. 
Sterling, what about you, brother? Uh, the band Silvertide and their album specifically, Show and Tell, came out in 2004. Don't know if many people remember the band Silvertide. They had a couple of no. decently popular songs, really good rock band, but not quite like the early, like, not like Nickelback, like not like that era of early 2000s. It, it was really good, great guitar licks, great drums, super high vo- uh, vocal guy. Uh, not quite the darkness level, right? Not the, I believe in a thing called love. But like, you know, like he, he gets high. Uh, some songs I thought that were great on this album specifically, Ain't Coming Home, Devil's Daughter, Blue Jeans, Mary Jane, and To See Where I Hide. Um, big fan of Silver Tide, specifically this album. Um, what year? Recommend it. 2004. 2004. All right. All right. Uh, have you guys heard Tyler Ramsey? Are you guys fans? Hmm. You guys like Band of Horses? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. So oh, there's yeah. a so there's a guy the, the Band of Horses records in in like Black Mountain, which is right outside Asheville, and this guy had had this guy was um, living in a cabin in North Carolina, making little songs on his own. His grandma fronts him the money, says, "Hey, I'll give you the money to go to the studio and record because I believe in you so much." So he goes in when the studio in Black Mountain had like a free, like someone had canceled. And since he lives locally, he was able to come in and record. And then he's only there for like three days. He's got to hurry up and get all the music done. And Band of Horses is scheduled to come in while he's recording. So he's finishing up and they're playing his final mixes while Band of Horses is loading in to take over the studio for like the next two months or something. So Tyler is like helping them unload his stuff and load up their stuff. And he's like, sorry guys, I'll get out of your way. And, and Ben, the head, the lead singer of band of horses was like, what's playing right now. And Tyler's like, Oh, that's my songs. Tyler Ramsey went on to become the lead guitarist for band of horses for the next several years. Um, and opening for them on subsequent tours, like with his own solo stuff, because he's badass. That first album was called a long dream about swimming in the sea and it's like quiet, beautiful acoustic. It's kill. I love it. It's so like moody acoustic, whatever. And then he went on to play with band of horses for the last several albums. He quit and now he's solo again and he has a brand new album coming out this year. So anyway, it's a killer story. I love to, I love band of horses anyway. And then, and then Tyler's a great musician. If you've never checked them out, um, believe in Tyler's grandma. He makes good music. There it is. So there's my must list for the day. Not only do I believe in Tyler's grandma, I believe in Richard and Matt Connor. And I believe in all of the listeners at Arrowhead Attic. Thank you guys so much for hanging out with us, for vibing with us. Uh, this offseason, more information coming your way. I'll be joining Adam Best tomorrow on the Wednesday show. Combine is underway. Started it yesterday on February 26th. So we'll give you some more information as the Combine keeps trucking on if you guys want to give us a five-star review we would appreciate it thank you guys so much uh does mean a lot it helps us out a lot as well um so for everyone until next time we are out
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.